Welcome again to Alpine Church in Brigham City. I am glad to be here with you guys today on the second service. We have this, this is the second service. You guys are the most alive service. I don't know if it's because you woke up a little bit later, you got more rest, you drank a little bit more coffee, but you guys are awesome today. So uh, why do we make Easter Sunday or Easter weekend such a big deal, right? Maybe you've You've wondered that, right? And, and maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know why I always get invited to church on Christmas and Easter, but I just show up. Well, we're glad, we're glad that you're here today, uh, but I want to tell you, why do we make it such a big deal at the church? Because this is this, the greatest event that has ever happened in human history. I can be bold enough to say that this is the, the, the life-giving hope uh, message that is what we celebrate on Good Friday through Easter Sunday. It's the greatest story ever told. And so we gather to try to understand it. But if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I don't quite understand all this stuff. Well, you're in a good place. The disciples that followed Jesus, they didn't quite understand what he was doing either. Like 2,000 years ago, they're like, you're going to do what? You're going to die? You're going to rise from the dead? Like, what is this guy talking about? So if you're like that today, I think you're in a good place. And, and so uh, I want to start off with kind of some truth that every Christian has passed down over the years. The basics of the faith, 20 years after the resurrection, there was a man named Paul who wrote uh, how important it is to pass down this message of Jesus' death and resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says... In verse 3, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles, last of all, as those I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So this little portion of scripture, even though it was written 20 years after the resurrection, this is like the first Christian creed. As he said, if I go back, it said, I delivered to you what was most important and that's what I said earlier in my intro, right? It's the most important thing is that Jesus died according to the scriptures and he rose on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, they didn't have the whole New Testament at the time and so they were passing down little messages like this as churches were getting started. Here's what you need to know, the basics of the Christian faith. But, but we've muddied it over the years, right? Religion has come in and twisted it, and people have changed the story over and over and over again. And sometimes that the, the true message of the gospel got muddied and started leaving a bunch of people out, right? Like, have you ever felt like an outsider? I know that I've felt like an outsider in my life. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I feel like an outsider here. Like, you guys got... These lights and music and coffee and, and uh, you know, everybody's so happy over this, this joyous occasion. And, and maybe you feel like an outsider today. Or maybe, maybe you've just felt like an outsider in your family. 
or at work or, you know, with all the other, uh, your family's faith or religion or whatever it is. Today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the outsiders. In this, this series called Proof of Life, we're going to try to look through scripture and prove that the resurrection really happened through these eyewitness accounts that Paul was talking about. Next week, we'll talk about the doubter, Thomas. We're going to talk about Peter, and then we'll talk about Paul as we read from him just a little bit. But today, we're going to talk about the outsiders and Jesus's heart for the outsiders. During his ministry, Jesus sought the outsiders, the overlooked and the marginalized, in his world. There's a story before, way before the resurrection, uh, um, a leper came up to Jesus. And if you know anything about leprosy or the history of the Jewish religion, it, it's a skin disease that was very contagious. And if someone contracted leprosy, they were basically banned outside of the city. They had to go be alone somewhere and kind of suffer until hopefully it went away, and, and the, the people, the religious people or clean people were not allowed to go near them or touch them, because if you touch them, then you would also be unclean, not just physically, but even spiritually. That's what the Jewish people believed. But Jesus came to kind of turn the whole message upside down, what men tried to set up as religion. Jesus said, no, I'm coming for the sick and the lost. I'm coming for the outsiders and the outcasts. And so here in that story, it says, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Jesus went beyond the man-made boundaries of what people set up as a religion, as worshiping God, and Jesus said, no, you guys got this wrong. I am coming to reach people that need me. And the problem is, is with people that, frankly, don't really feel like they're the outsiders, they're kind of like the in crowd, they, they don't really know that they have this issue or that this problem that needs to be taken care of. And so it's like Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, well, I don't have any sin. I'm okay. It's those people over there that need him. And, or, or it's the religious people that say, you know what? I, I'm good enough on my own. Like, I do, I do well. He takes care of a little bit of my, my stuff, but I do most of it. And Jesus is saying, no, these type of people, they can't find me. It's the outsiders that need me. And again, Jesus hung out with the tax collectors and the sinners. Now, we say that phrase tax collectors a lot. Because now if you work for the IRS or if you have friends that work at the IRS, don't think that we're talking about you. This is, you know, we're not mad at you. I mean, how could we be mad at you? You guys are sending us money into our bank accounts on a regular basis. It's kind of crazy, right? But no, we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about the tax collectors 2,000 years ago. Um, they, were, they were hated by the Jewish people, but they were of their own people. They were the Jewish people. You see, the Romans came in and took over Jerusalem and Israel, okay? And they took over the Jews' land and, and started to oppress them and rule over them, and they started to tax them, okay? But this was wrong to the Jewish people because that was their land, and they had no right coming in and taking over, 
But the Romans were like, so they, so they don't cause a mess? Let's pick some people from their own people to tax them and to collect the money for us. And so that's what these guys were. They were hated by their own people because they were like traitors to them. And also Jesus hung out with not only those types of guys, but the sinners, right? Let's go on to a different gospel in, in the, the book of Mark. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and disreputable sinners. And in the NLT version, it has this in parentheses. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. You see, this is the type of people that Jesus came to seek and to save, the ones who know that they're lost, the ones that have been outcasted and rejected Okay, it, later on in that verse, he says, it's not the, the well that need a doctor, but the sick. I've came to call sinners to repentance, not the ones who think that they are righteous, because they, they really don't know their need when they think they have this righteousness of their own. Um, it reminds me of this, this retreat we went on as pastors. We, there's seven different campuses of Alpine Church, and a couple weeks ago, we went on a retreat to go pray uh, to go be with each other, to get some some time of affirmation together, to do some planning and 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 just uh, affirming each other, right? Building up the team that we have here, um, because we had a lot of things coming up with Easter coming up and everything, and we just needed to be unified. And as we looked around the room, we saw who Jesus is using to do His work. Um, and and Mike was there with me, and uh, we. I, I, we, we took turns affirming each other around the room, like saying positive things about each other. And, and something came up in me, and I was reminded of how Mike, you know, his background is that he's a retired police officer. And uh, my background is, is that I'm a, a recovering addict, and I've been, I've been thrown in jail, I've been arrested, okay? And seven years ago, when Mike started coming to the church, uh, me and him were paired up, and I was to mentor and disciple him. And Mike was, I told him at this meeting that we had, like, it was such a blessing. Like, you are so humble to allow a guy like me that you would have, that you would have arrested a long time ago to actually disciple you and to teach you about Jesus and, and how to do church. And this is, this is, the people whom God used as we went around the room, it was just a bunch of regular people, right? Like Jesus used fishermen. There was a guy who used to install blinds. There was a guy who struggled with, you know, pornography addiction. There was a guy who was an old math teacher. Just people from all kinds of different backgrounds. People that don't think so highly of themselves, but just regular everyday people that struggle. These are the people that God used, and I believe that Jesus used and came to people like this, not only because these are the people that know that they need him, but also, have, have you ever been guilty of saying this about a person? Like, only God can help him now, right? <laughs> only God can change, only God can fix this situation. I've done all that I can do. I've prayed, that's all we can do now is pray and send him off to God, last resort, right? <laughs> Like God's the last resort. But God, I believe, he uses outsiders and outcasts like you and me to prove who he is, to prove the power that he has, to be able to take someone who seems to have no hope 
and to give them a future and a hope. To take a people that weren't being used for anything or maybe for an evil purpose or a selfish purpose and to be used for a good purpose and a godly purpose. And so now I want to get into the resurrection story, but I've got to explain one more type of people that he reached out to. It was the lepers, the tax collectors, the sinners. They're all outsiders. But let me tell you one other group of people that were outsiders in Jesus' day. It was women. Women 2,000 years ago and beyond. And even now in many different cultures and many different religions, women have been oppressed and looked at as less than and lower than because of false beliefs about their history in the past of women. They had these beliefs that uh, women were the ones who, in the garden of Adam and Eve, she was the first to have taken the fruit and sinned against God. Therefore, the, the religious leaders of the day believed that they were, the men were the, the highest authority uh, when it came to uh, social status in the world. But you see, God didn't set up like that, and Jesus was coming to show people something different. And so here in Luke 8, it says, Jesus took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, Susanna, and many others, okay? Now, Jesus, at the time, they called him a rabbi. He would have been the only rabbi that had men and women followers at the time. And this was something that was catching the eyes of people. Like, what's he doing? He's hanging out with tax collectors. He's hanging out with sinners. He's teaching women. He's speaking directly to women. And, and so I want you to know, as we set up this story, that women were outsiders in Jesus' day, yet we're going to see that they're right in the middle of the resurrection story. As a matter of fact, they are the first eyewitnesses to be able to encounter the risen Savior, Jesus himself. And I believe he's doing this for a reason. But did you know that women, they weren't allowed to uh, testify in court because their eyewitness and testimony wasn't credible to uh, men and religious leaders back then? But while the, the funny thing is about this story of the, the cross and the, the resurrection all the men scattered. All the men went hiding. All the men went and ran. And while Jesus was being led to his death, there was one man, John, and the rest were women following Jesus to the cross. They had enough faith. They were bold enough to follow him and to watch him and to be there ministering and comforting him. And then when he died and he was taken off the cross, the women were the ones who prepared his body for burial and took the spices up to the grave and they followed him all the way to the tomb. So let's look at the story in Luke 24. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. So right at the very first part of the story, 
God is using the eyewitness of the women. They're the first with the boldness to be able to go to the tomb in the first place. And then they get to see the glory of God in these angels, right? These angels talk to them. And here's, it goes on in verse 5. The women were terrified and, and bowed with their faces to the ground. The men asked them, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. So the women get this, this, this uh, charge. They say, he's, he's risen from the dead. And then the angels say, go tell Go tell your friends, go tell the men, go tell the followers, the ones who were supposed to be following Jesus. Go tell them. And they're given the first role to be able to go be the, the eyewitnesses and to proclaim with their mouths the resurrection story. Now, again, in a lot of different religions, even all false religions in the world, they all minimize and marginalize and oppress women, but not so with Christianity. As we know, Paul wrote later on in Galatians, there are no uh, men or women, but we're all one in Christ. Yes, we all have different roles and, and stuff like that, but, but Jesus came to make sure that we were going to do it his way and not our way. Our natural way was to be mean and oppressive, but Jesus wanted to go above and beyond and uplift women in this story. He was different from the culture. But here's the problem. If the resurrection had, story had been made up, uh, it wouldn't have been put in the mouths of women. Okay, So this kind of goes back to our series title, Proof of Life. We're proving that why, in that culture, in that day, if they wanted to make up a story that Jesus actually rose from the dead and start this whole Christianity movement, wouldn't have been the logical thing to do if the religious high leaders and the high social status, people holding the high social status, wouldn't it have been the most logical thing to do to let the religious leaders take care of the eyewitness testimony? Wouldn't it have got the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees to the tomb, right? But Jesus is showing us something different. He always does it in a way that we don't quite fully get and understand. And the point being is that this is the way it really happened, right? If it was a made-up story, somebody would have done it the way that they believe the religious leaders would have accepted it in our day. Just like Christmas story, right? Just like, uh, you know, if I was in charge and, 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 and I was going to announce the coming of the Messiah... I wouldn't have sent him to a, a, a town in the middle of nowhere to be born in a barn in a feeding trough, but I would have had lights, right? I would have had LED lights in the background. I would have had fireworks, comets coming down. He would have been born in a skyscraper hospital with those skylights that point up in the sky, right? Like, what are those skylights that that like haunted houses do and stuff like that, to try to get everybody to come and to see this event. But who did he come to? He came to the shepherds, again, who were the lowly outsiders of society. Jesus was proving that his ways are above our ways. And, and this proves that this is how it truly happened, not some kind of made-up story. It's funny, though, even the disciples, as I said earlier, they didn't understand this, what Jesus was doing when he was here, right? 
And maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't quite understand all this stuff, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to listen. The disciples were willing, right? That's what you need to have first is this, this willingness, humility to learn. And they were willing and they followed him even though they didn't know what was going on or where he was going to take them. And when Jesus started his ministry, um, you know, years before the resurrection, um, he uh, was headed to Jerusalem and he stopped in this town called Samaria and in Samaria was this, this they were uh, kind of half-breeds, half-Jew and half-pagan. Uh, they believed in other, uh, other things about God other than what the true traditional Jewish people believed. And they were seen as unclean by the Jewish people as well. But Jesus, the first time he ever proclaims that he is the Messiah, he does it to a woman in Samaria. So a double dose of of what other people would have thought would have been the wrong, the wrong way to come about. Here's what happens at that story. It's the woman at the well in John 4, 27. And he's talking to this woman. He proclaims he's the Messiah. But here's how the disciples react. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? You see, they were confused they were wondering a religious leader doesn't directly talk to women he has the husband talk to a woman and jesus again was showing them that he's turning this whole earthly religious worldly system upon its head and 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 that again i believe proves that this story that we celebrate every year good friday and easter sunday and the first eyewitnesses being the women that got to see not only angels in the empty tomb, but also the risen Christ as we go on in the story. So they rush back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else, uh, to tell everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But here's the funny part. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. Okay? So, again, it shows you where they're at culturally and in their minds. But then, again, I want to pose this statement or this question. As we said before, if they really wanted to make up a story as several, you know, atheist professors or people out in our world will believe that this is a made-up story, would they have done it in this way? Would they have put it in the mouths of the women to go tell everyone to go tell the world? I don't think so. But that's where Jesus' ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts and our ways. And now we can't disprove the resurrection because of bad eyewitness accounts or false testimony. Because this is just really the way it happened. It is raw eyewitness account written down. And as I said before, not only did they got to see the, the empty tomb, but Jesus first appears to Mary and another Mary, Mary Magdalene, found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And she gave them his message because he said, tell them to go meet me in Galilee in a little while. I will be there, right? And so she got the honor and the privilege to be able to say, guys, I saw him first. And so... Back to what I was saying earlier about this idea that people thought women were the first to take the 
the fruit in the garden to sin against God? Well, it's interesting that in the garden, there's a tomb, and Jesus in the garden meets Mary Magdalene and restores and says, no, you're not the one that is marginalized. You're the one I'm going to promote and lift up, and I'm going to use you to go be the first witness to all the men that the Lord Jesus Christ has risen. So, so from the, the garden to the garden, women are restored and glorified by our Savior. It's unbelievably believable, especially to that culture. The testimony of the women at the tomb is proof that Jesus really did rise from the dead and that his heart is for everyone, even the outsiders. Jesus took the most unlikely source of people and made them the most reliable witnesses to tell the greatest story ever told and witnessed about in human history. Now I want you to think about it like this then. If you felt like an outsider or an outcast or if you felt marginalized or you felt like you don't quite get all of this, but you're here today and, and, and you feel like, okay, he really could have risen from the dead, then I want you to entertain that thought even more and press on into truth and understand that there is a reason why he came and rose from the dead. It wasn't just for a spectacular show that we could put on once a year every weekend, but it is so that our souls could be saved, we could be right with God, that we could finally be in the in crowd with the true God and not with the world. The Bible says that we have a decision to make. We've got to believe this story or not. And this is the story that turned the whole world upside down. You know, over 2,000 years ago, many things have been impacted by this story, by the Christian faith. And if you're here today and you haven't quite fully accepted and believed that Jesus Christ died, let me tell you why he died. Because we've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. We've all believed our own opinions, our own ideas. And we've went against God. We've put other things as more important than him in our lives. We haven't worshipped him as he deserves our worship. He has blessed us with everything, everything that we have. He's allowed us to have it or he's given it to us. And not only that, but, but even beyond that, we are just all born separated from God. We aren't born as children of God headed to heaven. No, we're born separated and all happened from the garden, Adam and Eve, when they went against God for that first time, it broke all of humanity. And so we all are headed to death, physically and spiritually. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul later goes on. He says, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. That means that we're all children of man, of sinful man. We're not children of God. But here's what it says, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. The same new life that Jesus Christ died and he rose from the dead, part of that symbolizes the new life that you and I get when we trust and believe in Jesus. We get it here and now. 
all those mistakes and the things that we did in our past, that can all be wiped away and forgiven by trust and faith in Jesus alone, and we can have this new life to live. How do I do it? Romans 10 puts it easy. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So it's not about joining a religion or becoming worthy or following the steps. There's no stairway to heaven apart from Jesus Christ. Declaring that you believe the story is true, that he died on the cross for my sins, that's the whole reason why he came, to wipe that clean and to set me free. And he rose from the dead proving who he is, the power he has, and the new life that he wants to give to you and to me and everyone who believes and will profess it and believe it in their heart by faith alone in Christ alone. If you're here today and you haven't quite done that yet, we would love to pray with you, to talk with you about what that means as we close today as we sing our last song just contemplate continue to unravel this thread that may have been opened up in your heart right now and i pray that you will get to the place where you confess that jesus is lord and that god raised him from the dead would you guys pray with me father thank you so much for your unconditional love how you reach out to sinners like me and to all of us. We don't deserve your love. Even now, we continue to feel, go by our own way and our own feelings and continually forget that you came to die for those things that go against you. But even knowing that, God, you still wipe away our sins every day not just a one-time thing, but past, present, and future, you've told us that we're clean and our sins are forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you for that today. I pray that if there are people here, if there is a person here today that has not accepted the free gift of what you did on that glorious weekend, God, that you would, you would just unravel that string that's in their heart. Let them know that you love them. Help them to find a people, a group, a, a church to uh, have people help them understand more and more of this and give them a hunger to follow you above all else. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.